Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two and wife of one. I'm here once again to share everything speech, language, play, development, and all of that other fun stuff that falls between. We have an exciting show for you today. We're going to tackle, I don't want to be a teacher. I simply want to be a parent, but I'm going to get the inner teacher out of you by the end of this episode. So don't you worry about it. You're going to know six different ways that you're actually kind of acting like a teacher before sugar even hits the classroom. Who knew, right? So it's funny because around the age of two, most world changers, they come to my office and even friends and family for this matter. And they're like, I got to clean up my language or I had no idea that sugar knew how to use that word. I didn't even know that they were paying attention to that word. And it cracks me up because parent is frantic. The child is using this new word, probably a word that, you know, I didn't want them to be using. And and I love the reaction because it's always like, I don't know where they learned that, or I didn't know they were listening, or I just, I, I don't know, but it's time for me to get it together. Not only is sugar listening, but sugar has learned the meaning of language and how to use language. And this all starts from day one. I mean, technically by 30 weeks when they're in the belly, they can understand vowel sounds that are native to mom's language. But when they come out and they get to visually see and hear those words and those sounds put together, then they start making connections. Not only are they making these connections, but they're seeing it put into context and they're seeing the same words used over and over and over again. And not only are they seeing and hearing these words, but they're watching how they're being used and how they're being communicated and how we're reacting (laughs) to stuff around us. And so, Real life practice starts to take place by age two. Not only is sugar starting to put stuff into practice, but now it's ingrained. It's been ingrained by two (laughs) as an appropriate way to respond, comment, or react to things that happen in life, which is why going back to my first point, most parents are like, oh my gosh, I have to clean up my language. And so this tells us, One very important thing, we're the first teachers, whether we like it or not. It's nothing we can change. It's nothing we can do. It's nothing related to academia. It's literally like you can't change your status. That's like saying, I want to change my mom's status to non-mom's status. Like you can't change that. Just like you can't change teaching because they're watching everything and they're going to pick up on something. And, and dare I say, that if we're not the ones teaching it, then they're going to learn it through some kind of other exposure. And whatever the it is, in this case, we're using like language and and building up on language um, and building up on like those, those critical thinking skills and those reasoning skills. So a lot of like those executive functioning skills, they're going to learn it somewhere, those pragmatic skills, they're going to learn it. So if we're not doing it, then they're going to be getting it from outside sources or they're going to be getting it from both and deciding how they wanna use it. And that's when we come in and refine it. 
So if you feel like you're not predisposed to be the teacher, let me tell you, you are. And it doesn't happen only through academics. There's other developmental areas that are occurring from birth to five that's gonna impact how sugar learns, how they problem solve, how they reason, how they critically think, how they perceive the world around them, and most importantly, how they view themselves. So the first way, how sugar learns. How sugar learns. We have an influence and an impact on how sugar learns. And not just an influence and an impact, they are learning from us how to learn. Now, they gather information their own kind of way. They're predisposed to gather information. That's the kind of learner they come out to be. We don't have real control over that. But the exposure of what we put around them and how they're guided through the learning process will kind of give some early indications of how far they'll go unless somebody comes in and expands that learning process and gives different ways to learn. So for example, let me put it into real time. If you have a room full of toys that sugar's allowed unlimited access to, they may become masters of simply dumping everything out and throwing toys, especially if nobody is sitting with them because they have free reign and free access and they can pretty much go through the entire room and do what they want to do with it without any questions being asked. It's really rare for a sugar to independently explore through play without support. But on the other hand, if we sit down with sugar and we play with one toy at a time and we demonstrate different methods of play, then we're not only a part of that learning process, then we become an intentional contributor to how they learn. And this makes learning more intentional and it makes learning more focused because now they're understanding that this is a block maybe and I like to stack the blocks or this is a doll and I like to feed my doll and I like to rock my doll or this is my puzzle and I like to put the pieces in and I like to take the pieces out. I like when mommy shows me how to put the harder pieces in, it makes it a lot more fun for me. And so that's a guide, right? You're showing them something. You're showing them how to learn about the information if, if you start adding words to it, then it expands that even more. Puzzle piece go in. Oh, let's feed the baby. She looks hungry. Yum, 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 yum. So now you're putting it into action and you're expanding that language and that vocabulary for sugar. This is also really key for our sugars who are sluggish speakers or who are having difficulties with like establishing play skills. I hear a lot of times from world changers that my sugar is not interested in playing with me or they're not interested in talking to me or they're not interested in X. And I shy away from it because it's, I don't wanna do it because they don't want me there. And chances are it has really nothing to do with them wanting you there or not. It's just figuring out methods that work to make that connection, to make sure that you can A, be a part of that play, B, give them information and listen to the information that they're saying or whatever it is that they're trying to communicate using verbal language or non-verbal language. And so it's really important to reinforce the play during that time. But on the other hand, if you're just kind of allowing them to do anything, then that's what they're going to do. They're gonna figure it out for themselves and reinforcement is key. Like whatever is being reinforced time and time again, if it's play alone and I get to dump and pour and I keep 
getting to do this day after day after day, then it does become more difficult to undo that behavior and try to get them to sit down and focus on an activity together or reading a book together or doing something together that is meaningful and exciting for both of you guys. So number one, how they learn. Number two, you have influence on how they problem solve. We don't really think about problem solving, but we problem solve each and every day of our lives. There are scenarios presented to us and we react. It's trial and error. I talked about trial and error last week. If you want to get more information about that, check out that episode. It's a really good one. But some of those experiences will be independently learned and others may need some support, but they're also watching how you're problem solving things as well. Are you calm and methodical? Are you explosive? Are you, you know, kind of like the ostrich and you just shy away from problems that come along? And it's important for sugars to not only have these trial and error experiences and muddle through them, but when obstacles and new learning are introduced, how we react and the support we give, not only our reaction, but our support is needed. So for instance, if sugar is trying to put together a train track, the first few trials, those things are hard. That's trial and error, right? If you've ever like picked those things up and put them together and like sometimes they're a little bit rougher and depending on who the maker is, some are a little bit better made than others. And so the ones that aren't made that well are a little bit more wonky. The curves get weird, all kinds of stuff like that. Again, trial and error. But we can be a part of that process to model and to do like hand over hand. And hand over hand is simply taking their hand and putting our hand on top of their hand and guiding their hand without taking over and just doing it for them. So that way they're learning how to do it. But at the same time, they are getting the guidance they need, but they are also not just watching us take over and do it for them. So hand over hand is is really good for these kinds of activities, even car tracks and things like that. And, And if left alone, of course, if the pieces aren't fitting together, sugar will struggle. If sugar doesn't have the fine motor skills to put them together, sugar's gonna struggle. And maybe sugar will give up or maybe sugar will be explosive and overreact and start chucking the train tracks. Or maybe sugar will decide that this is not my jam and I'm just not going to do this. But it requires our support to make sure that sugar can master this skill. So it is through those trial and error experiences that sugar is not only able to learn with support, but they're also able to want to try again in the future based on the encouragement that we give them through that time or during that time that they are trying something. And keep this in mind, world changers. If this is an area that you haven't necessarily mastered or modeled, it's really hard to teach it. And so this is one of those times where you can be 100% honest with sugar and say, you know what, I haven't quite, you know, gotten great at not blowing up when things don't quite go right, but I'm going to work on it and we're going to work on it together. And that way you get them on track. So again, problem solving the second way that you are a teacher. Number three, how they reason our reasoning skills and our logic. This is where the inner philosopher is birthed. It's not logical to crawl down the stairs at least not the second time, right? 
And it's not quite reasonable to tantrum because mom and dad won't respond. After a while, it kind of gets old. It's not reasonable to take all the toys from my friend and expect them to want to play with me day after day. It's certainly not reasonable to eat the food, eat the plate versus the food on the plate. That's kind of, you know, not reasonable. We use reasoning skills each and every day. How we conclude is how we react. Like the methods that we teach are the methods that they will learn. So sugar knows that, okay, obviously I'm not supposed to eat the spoon. I'm supposed to use the spoon to eat. I probably shouldn't crawl down those stairs because it's something that doesn't work. And so as they think through and reason through and we help them make reasonable choices and we talk these things through because reasoning is definitely a process that has to be discussed in some cases. No, sweetheart, we don't crawl down the stairs because you're going to get an owie. Sugar, and this is once the tantrum is over, I'm not going to respond to your tantruming because I don't know what you want during that time and I can't help you unless you use your words. Sweetheart, if you take all the toys from the friend, then it's going to be really hard for them to want to sit down and play with you. Would you want to watch your friends play with all the toys while you watch? That's not necessarily fun for them. So let's try to be reasonable and let's share with them. And, and these are things that we use every single day. Like this is not only good for safety parameters, but also how to be in community with other people to get along peacefully and amicably, like making these decisions, not just for pleasing self, but also to relate to the world around us in a way that is appropriate. And so how we reason and the logic that we come up with is what they are going to one day practice and replicate in their own way. And so during this time when they're really young and these new scenarios, because remember the toddler years, everything is new. And so whatever we're sowing into them is what they're going to learn. And if we are not necessarily sowing like the process of how to come to the conclusion of what's the best outcome given this situation, then it's going to be really difficult for them to figure out how to make logical and reasonable decisions. So number three, how they reason. And number four, how they critically think. We have an influence on how sugar critically thinks. And critical thinking, this is the trickiest one that we're gonna talk about today, but it's a necessity if we're seriously talking about pushing to purpose. Critical thinking goes beyond that concrete information and it moves into the realm of like inquisitiveness and imagination. And that means that engagement is already established because this area requires focus, like critical thinking requires focus skills. And even if sugar is not the best at this, this is not an area that, again, we want to shy away from. And that holds true for each and every point that I'm making today. Like if sugar is having a difficult time mastering one of these areas, then we don't want to shy away from that area. We want to continue to present scenarios to help them walk through it and become stronger at it. So let's revisit the train track. Sugar has built this train track, but every time he pushes the trains down the ramp, the poor train, like it falls and makes a beeline off the sharp 
turn. Like it literally goes up in the air and then it just kerplunks and falls over. Pretty cool to look at maybe the first few times, but if you're trying to get around that entire track, then it, it, it gets a little difficult, right? And so after 20 times of trying, Sugar realizes that something's gonna have to change, like coming to that realization, like I'm going to have to do something different. And so then Sugar gathers that something about the track has to change. Like if I want better, I'm going to have to do better. So I'm going to have to change the method that this track is put together. So when this beeline happens, maybe my train will stay on the track because that's the outcome that I want. So Sugar now has this skill because you so successfully helped them learn how to put it together. Again, building blocks, you are a part of the learning process. So now Sugar has enough knowledge and skill set to be like, I can put these two things together, but now I need this extra skill. Like I need this skill that's a little bit deeper than just putting it together. I need to critically think my way through how I'm going to fix this. Now, are they using these words? Absolutely not. They don't know what this stuff means. They just know that it's happening because they want their toy to work right. So the method to place each track, again, has been successful. And when Sugar has ran out of floor space, Sugar added turns to make the space more compact. But now through trial and error, he knows that, you know, modifications again are gonna have to take place. So this is how we work our way through it. What do I have and what do I need to do to get to where I need to go? And so Sugar at this point might be like, well, maybe I need to add another straight piece or maybe my curve doesn't need to be so tight. Like this is where we come in and we can kind of help them think through, well, what do you think? You have it like this. Maybe we could try it this way. Uh, what do you, how do you want to try it? Let's try it both ways and see which one we like better. Because that way you're giving them an idea of what could possibly work. And on the other hand, you're also listening to them and figuring out like where their head is and how they're going to like problem solve and think their way through fixing this error. And so critical thinking, we want them to have that. We want them to be able to use that. We want them to be able to take like these very complex things that happen in their world that seem really simple and help them come to a conclusion or a reasonable outcome that make them feel like, hey, I can probably try this again. So number four, critical thinking is, is key to get like that higher level learning while you're like building on inquisitiveness and imagination because they have to perceive a lot of this stuff and see it differently in order to move on. But if they don't have that confidence built up that they can learn and they can problem solve and they can reason, then it's gonna be really hard for them to critically think their way through tough situations and tough scenarios. Number five, it takes a shift. And it builds on what we've been talking about, but it's also really important because you have to deal with self. Self-image is so key at this age, how sugar perceives themselves. And self-perception to me comes in two ways. One is based on personal accomplishments. Let's, let's think about that train. Sugar has now learned how to put the train together. 
Sugar has learned how to fix the train when it makes this sharp turn and the train goes in the air and comes back down. They've now fixed that problem. So now they know how to critically think. So that's the, I can do very cool things or I'm good at this. I'm good at putting train tracks together. I'm good at fixing it when it goes wrong or I enjoy this, right? But there's also that piece of what mom and dad say to me. Mom and dad call me bad because I enjoy exploring and I haven't necessarily got the guidance to kind of figure out like what I should be doing. And so I'm just kind of getting into everything. And so it makes me look kind of, I don't know, a little bit sketchy. I look like I might not make the best decisions. Like I'm always choosing the stuff that I should not be choosing. I shouldn't be choosing that, but I'm doing it anyway. And I'm getting a reaction out of my mom and dad. And and it's some kind of attention. It might not be the attention that I want. But nevertheless, they've now labeled me as bad because I like enjoying or we haven't quite found activities suitable for me or or they're copying behavior and bad habits are being established. That kind of thing. Like they're copying what somebody else is doing and now all of a sudden sugar is getting that label and they feel like they are bad. Another example of that is I'm pretty because people always tell me I'm pretty or I'm good at drawing or I'm super kind. Foundationally, what we tell our sugars is what's going to stick with them. And this is why I try to always encourage you all to not associate bad behaviors with the character of the child and like attach that. Instead of saying like, you're bad, maybe instead we say that was not the best decision (laughs) that you could have made. Like, because we don't want sugar to believe that they're a bad person because at that age, it's really difficult to be a bad person and to even establish that. Like they're exploring and they're trying to figure things out. They're not necessarily on the horizon of like trying to be bad. So we can provide parameters around the things that we do and don't like without giving sugar a poor self-perception. And remember, our tongues speak life and death. And so we have to be really careful what we say to sugar And that the information that we say to them, like the characteristics and the traits that we attach to them, those adjectives that we use to describe them for life, it's going to attach itself. You're being lazy or you're not even trying or you're not, you know, if, if we tell them those things instead of sitting down and like working with them, like and validating like, oh, that was difficult. Let's try it this way or giving them the tool that they need in order to feel like, and the words they need in order to have a positive self-perception about themselves. And so we wanna make sure that we're giving them words and teaching them words in language that lets them know that I'm still trying to figure it out. And honestly, as long as we go through life, we are trying to figure things out. Like we don't have all the answers and it doesn't make us bad people all the time or lazy people. It just means that we need to, change the way that we're doing things. But if we're discouraged from a very young age, then chances are sugar is not going to put forth that effort to try. And so number five, how they view themselves, their self-perception, that's what we teach. And even the things that we say about ourselves, like we have to be really careful about what we say and how we talk about ourselves. Because if sugar came from us and chances are sugar either looks like us or our or the other parenting partner, we have to be careful saying negative things about ourselves and our own self-perception because that can definitely have an impact on how sugar sees themselves. Well, if I came from you and you're saying all of these things about yourself, then what does that mean about me? 
And does that mean that I am the same things that you say about yourself? And it's really hard for sugar to buy into the contradiction of you're so cute if you're always saying negative things about yourself. So be really careful with that as well, world changers, because not only is it their self-perception being established, but how you perceive yourself will have an impact on them. And finally, number six, how they perceive the world around them. Now, perception is the initial invitation to the world, right? How we perceive things how we look at things, how we view things, because sugar is in the toddler years at this point, awareness and new things are coming at them fast and they're coming at them all the time. And it's exciting and it's sometimes scary and it's sometimes exhilarating and it's sometimes, I don't know. I don't know is usually hide behind mommy or daddy's legs because I just don't know what to make of this, you know, this scenario, I don't know. But this is also the time that like preschool is on the horizon. And if I, as the world changer, am like boo-hooing and crying every five minutes because I'm going to have to deal with that dreaded first day drop-off, then what kind of inherent fear am I going to put in sugar? If I am running every time I see a dog, then I'm going to, as the little sugar, think that all dogs are dangerous animals and they're monsters and they're wolves that that live in people's homes. How do people do this? Why would they do this? Right? And so how we perceive the world around us is how sugar is going to perceive the world around them. If we're fearful of things, they're going to be fearful of things. If we are, you know, not necessarily the most ambitious because again, fear is taking over, then sugar is going to be that way. But if we have like an open mind and we're ambitious and we're trying new things or we're providing perspective and kind of reasoning and critically thinking through things, then guess what? They're going to have a much more open perception of the world around them, which then allows them the ability to explore and to learn new things. Um, This also holds true for food. Oh my goodness. I hear so much about food during this age, the dreaded food war. Sugar won't try different things. Why? Because they're scary. You think about it. You put all these colors on sugar's plates. And yes, we know they're great and they're good for us. But for sugar, they're like, why is that purple? Or why is that green? And why does it look mushy? Like, I don't understand why it looks like something off of the tree. Didn't we just go on a walk and explore something that looked just like that, right? And so (laughs) how they perceive the world around them can be really, really difficult for them, or it can be a really inviting and opening and welcoming event to where they can try out and are willing to try out new things because we've worked them through that and we've helped them through that process. Like, I know it looks funny, but just try it this one time and see how you like it. And if you don't like it, you know, maybe never try it again, but don't run away from everything that's green because everything that's green is not bad and everything that's purple is not awful. And so how we talk about that and how we present that, it it definitely defines how they are going to perceive things that are new to them and exciting to them. World changers, I've given you six different ways that you're teaching your sugar. Sure, you don't have to sit down with flashcards and textbooks, but still you're teaching them every single day, every single interaction, you're teaching them something. 
continue to connect with them five to seven minutes a day just to kind of see how they learn and what they know and how you can refine their skills. It really simply takes intentionality and time. Join me next week where we will round off this month of July with I'm out of ideas. Help me connect. Also, join the interest list for my upcoming book, Watch Me, Connecting to Your Child Through Play. This is an experience you really don't want to miss. I'm going to take play principles and make it easy for you to apply. You'll walk away with tools that'll get you on your way immediately. It's going to get you on on the right track. Let's do this, y'all. And if you're not on my mailing list, what are you waiting for? Become a part of this community where we connect, grow, and learn together. And finally, if you are enjoying this podcast and you've got a few pennies to spare, I would encourage you to join my Patreon community. There are different levels of support starting at $5 and it's literally no amount too big or too small. I just appreciate you guys even thinking about me. Everything that I've mentioned today will be in the show notes, the book interest list, the mailing list, and the Patreon account. So just go on and scroll down below and everything will be there for you guys. So I can't wait to see you all next week again, where we will talk about I'm out of ideas. Help me connect. I can't wait to see y'all there. Until the next time, world changers, take care.